We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation. Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. Good afternoon, everyone. You are listening to Now That's What I Call Science on Edge Radio. And, you know, election results have come out, but we are here with love in our hearts and science on our minds to talk about medical marijuana. It's very exciting. It's going to be very interesting. And uh, I'm joined today with Alana. Hey. Hello. So, Alana, I don't know if you guys know much about how our show actually works, but essentially I'm here every week and our wonderful co-hosts that rotate every week drive most of the content. And Alana has put in some crazy amounts of work to learn so much about medical marijuana and I've been fascinated reading through your notes and listening to the sound clips. So what are we going to go over today? Well, today we're going to discuss the plant, cannabis, uh, also known as marijuana and by a hundred other colloquial names, <laughs> weed. Dope. <laughs> the devil's lettuce is my favourite. <laughs> devil's lettuce. <laughs> and we're going to discuss it because uh, it is a recreational drug um, that is illegal, but it also has medicinal uses and it was, um, what's the word? It legalised? Legalised, that's what I'm after, thank you. It was legalised in 2016 in Australia for medicinal uses. So what I thought we'd discuss today was a bit about that because you can't just go to your doctor and ask for some weed. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So what is medical marijuana as compared to illegal recreational drug marijuana and why we don't actually just have pills that you can get, why we're still developing medicine and drugs for that. Yeah, there's like a whole host of different forms in which you can get and use medical marijuana that is probably not what people would have learned about when they were you know, in school, when they did the drugs prevention programs and stuff. Obviously, that's the only way in which people would know about Absolutely. Illegal. The only way. Yes. So <laughs> it's good that those, those school prevention programs, they work. Um, so that sounds awesome. Who did we speak to this week? I interviewed two researchers this week. So I spoke to Dr. Sandra Garland. She is an agricultural science researcher working on the growing of medical marijuana in Tasmania. Awesome. And I also spoke to Luke Ney, who we've had on the show before, because he does work on PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And part of the work he's doing is on cannabinoids, the things in marijuana that are medical, and the cannabinoids that naturally occur in your body. Yeah, I loved hearing about Luke's work because I actually didn't think the cannabinoids are endogenous, so within our own body. I always thought that there's something that you just have to take from external. So yeah, that was I really had no cool. idea. We have cannabinoids in our body, which is crazy. You don't, like, everyone has them. You yeah. don't just have to smoke marijuana to have them. They I'm are really a normal part to, of our body. That's pretty cool, and I'm really excited to, to hear more about that in that section of the show. Um, so what are we starting with? Well, we should probably talk a bit about the plant itself, shouldn't we? That's probably a good place to start. I, of course, know nothing about the plant. Of course not. No one does. <laughs> it is a mystery, and we mystery. are unraveling mysteries. That's what this show is here. Let's unpack some mysteries through the lens of science. So, <laughs> through the lens of science, cannabis <laughs> is an Indian hemp plant that comes from Central Asia and India. Um, it is full of what we call bioactive chemicals, which are chemicals that can react biologically with a person. 
Um, but there's several different types. So you might have heard of hemp before. Hemp is a type of cannabis that doesn't contain psychoactive biochemicals, which are the ones that mess with your mind, the ones you want when you illegally smoke marijuana. That's cool. So the hemp is actually a version of the plant that is used, has been used for hundreds of years for, uh, what's the word, fibre... Yeah, you see a lot of hemp products like hemp teas and like different, even recently I've been seeing like hemp cookware. Hemp cookware? Like as in like, you know, like similar to bamboo. Oh, Yeah, okay. because it's like a, a really abundant thing, I think. Yeah, so the idea behind it is it's incredibly fast growing. Mm-hmm. So it's really fast and quite cheap to produce. It just grows and grows. So you just harvest it and you can create rope and canvas. It's really good for fibre. They also use it for biodegradable plastics. Yeah, that's the ones I meant. Hey, there we go. <laughs> uh, insulation, paint, wow. biofuel, uh, animal feed. So there's all these ways it can be used. But part of the problem with hemp is because it is the cannabis plant, it has been bred to have high levels of psychoactive chemicals, chemicals that affect your brain. And that's when it became illegal. Oh, wow, okay. So when they started realising that people were taking this plant as a drug... They decided that that was not cool. We're going to now make this illegal, and that's why we don't have hemp products everywhere. You're having far too much fun. It is time for us to regulate this Pretty product. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so we also can call it cannabis or marijuana, and you usually call it cannabis if it doesn't have those really high levels of psychoactive chemicals. Okay. And then you call it marijuana when it does. Okay. So when you, yeah. Non-high and high, cannabis and marijuana. Yeah, cannabis and marijuana. Okay. Although they are the same thing. It's just generally what they're called. Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, So shall we skip to a song or did we want to hear from one of our guests first? Well, let's hear a bit from Sandra because we thought it would be important to talk about the importance of carefully studying medical marijuana. Alrighty. Throughout history it's been very clear that there are medicinal properties in cannabinoids. Getting that story right is really important. So any gung-ho sort of approach to it is where people are going to get hurt and when people are going to end up in a situation where the, the bad effects of cannabinoids can come into it because there are side effects. You know, you can end up, you know, very anxious. You can have things like paranoia and it can be psychologically damaging. If, if you come at this industry without a very clear aim and, and a very defined end point, you're not going to end up with a care. You'll end up with an industry that is going to be of benefit, you know. And and that's the whole push of the government and the push of the universities to let's find out about these plants, let's make it safe, let's define who it can help, rather than just um, this you know, blanket. Let's not deal with this at all. It's, it obviously has medicinal properties. We need to define that. So it's not really you know a blanket to try and stop people having fun. It's about, you know, the medicinal properties. So we heard from um, our special guest there, Sandra Garland. Garland from the Tasmanian Institute of Agriculture. There, I thought it was really interesting that she was talking about, you know, we know that it can be a plant not just for fun or illegal purposes. You know, the f- illegal things are not fun. <laughs> um, but it's not just, you know, it's a it's a very common quip, isn't it, to make jokes about using marijuana, etc. Yeah. But that actually it does have well-founded med- medicinal pers- purposes now. Yes. And those are evidence-based and therefore we should 
treat that with the harms outweighing the benefits or vice versa and really look at how we can regulate this as a, as a useful product. Yeah, the idea is that it, these do have medicinal properties. We now just need to find those properties and be able to create medical marijuana that is not harmful in any way and is very regulated so it is able to help people the best it can. So for this show, that's really what we're getting at in a nutshell, is some of the uses and how it can be regulated and how we're kind of taking steps to do that. Yeah. Awesome. Hope you stick with us for the show. We're going to cut to a song now called Red Tuesday by New Talk. Can you feel just how the wind breaks here in the rubble through all that remains well all things they pass just exactly the same time circles times flat bronzed horses in sway fall on the bank where i lay to be lost in a face rest in numb cold slave These clouds of unknowing can shadow that appears To be connected by lines on these maps we hold dear Well, I know that these moats will soon buckle and break But the labor builds love
You're listening to Now That's What I Call Science. I'm Alana and I'm here with Neve. Hello. And we are talking about medical marijuana. Ooh. Ooh. It feels like one of those naughty high school moments. It does a bit. <laughs> we are talking about something that's completely legal and being studied at university. Yeah, what well, was like... <laughs> <laughs> we are very mature scientists. Very mature. <laughs> yeah, so we've covered that essentially um, medicinal marijuana is, there's evidence behind that it's got some useful purposes, but that with that evidence, there's a whole new emerging field of, well, how do we produce this in a controlled legal way that's highly regulated, that's extremely different to the illicit pathway. Yes. So I thought I'd talk a bit about why it's extremely different from the illicit pathway. That's beneficial. <laughs> why why medical marijuana works, like what in it that works, and technically what in illegal marijuana works as well. So the reason that you get a high when you smoke marijuana or the reason that we have medical benefits from marijuana is because the plant is full of these bioactive chemicals, so chemicals that can affect your body, and these are called cannabinoids. And cool. these cannabinoids, there's at least 113 different types that they've isolated from the plant. Wow, that's pretty hectic. And do yeah. they have, act in different ways or are we not sure? So they do act in different ways, um, but there are some that are less important, I'd call them, because they don't do as much. Mm -hmm. So today I thought I'd only talk about two of those 113 because they're the two biggest ones. Okay, sounds good. Good plan. We've got a short amount of time. Yes, only two. <laughs> I'll cover all 113. No. <laughs> so the two I'm going to talk to you about is THC. Have heard of that. Yes, most people have heard of THC. This is the naughty one. The naughty one is THC. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then the other one is cannabidiol. Oh, wow. That's so, like the oil one. Well, actually, they're all oils. Ah, okay, there we go. There we go. <laughs> this is how, you know, mainstream media is just ferrying up the scientific stuff in here. <laughs> so we're talking about THC and cannabidiol. Yes. Okay. Both are cannabinoids. Okay. It took me quite a while to get this straight. <laughs> yeah, mixing up the words. Okay, cool. So what are they? So these are chemicals in the plant that have effects in your body because your body is full of these receptors that pick up on the chemicals, which we'll talk about later when we talk about the cannab um, cannabinoids that naturally occur in your body. But THC is the one you might have heard about because it's the psychoactive one. So psychoactive is something that affects your brain, your your body in a, a bit of a psychic way. Yeah, your psychological <laughs> yeah. behaviour yes. and um, like a psychoactive agent could be considered something like LSD or taking certain types of mushrooms and things like that. Is anything that alters your psychological behaviour either temporarily or can have permanent um, effects? That's exactly right. Uh, you described that a lot better than I did, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, so THC is present in illegal marijuana. Mm -hmm. It is the part that gets you high. Yes. It's the, you can attribute almost all the effects to this one chemical. So the reason that people want to take it is for this, and the people that breed illegal marijuana plants will breed it for high THC. Yeah. But the other one, cannabidiol, doesn't have psychoactive effects. So this is the one that illegal breeders don't care about. 
illegal growers, I should really call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the one that has the medicin- more medicinal benefits. So cannabidiol is what researchers are trying to grow in their plants. They want really high cannabidiol plants mm-hmm. with low or no THC. As the opposite for any illegal growers. That's really interesting. So are they able to like isolate the growth or the amount of growth of those specific elements within the plants themselves? And do they come from specific parts of the plant? So they, these chemicals are in, they're all throughout the plant, but they are concentrated in the flower heads and the buds. Which so is THC and cannabidiol? Yeah, Both all the cannabidiols oh, okay. would be concentrated there. You can get them from the leaves, but it's yeah. not as much. So not that anyone would have ever seen illegal marijuana, but if you do, it is the flowers and the buds yes. all squished up and dried. Okay. So that's the part that... Again, that we know from our high school drugs prevention program. Of course, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, these uh, these chemicals are there. They're actually inactive, though, when they're in the plant. So they're this they're in an acid, an inactive acid in the plant, and the way you activate them so they can do something in your body is to apply heat to them, hence smoking. Oh, so that's where, you know, you'd either have to cook it in some way. You know, we've all seen probably Pineapple Express, really interesting movie where they had those brownies. So you've got to add heat to activate the THC or even the cannabidiol yeah. aspect to make those those bioactive compounds kind of come to life. Yeah, and okay. they are also an oil-based thing, so you can't dissolve them in water. So if you have seen a movie such as that, you'll know that when, they, when you use uh, cannabinoids in cooking, you make them into an oil before cooking them, so something like a butter, because you can't just dissolve these plants out in water. But there we go. But will do it. There we go. It all comes back to chemistry, folks. It's how the world works. (laughs) Well, that sounds fascinating. Is that what we are covering for the rest of the show as well? And is that enough of an introduction for now, Elena? I think that might be enough of an introduction to the chemicals. So we're going to talk about THC a little bit, but mainly cannabidiol. Because of these health benefits it can have, um, there's quite a lot. We're not... We won't cite any studies this mm-hmm. time, but there's a lot of things that it can possibly help with that people are trying to figure out. Um, and we'll talk a bit about that later. But Cool. Right, right now we're going to go to a song called Teeth by Heartbeat, which is a local Tassie band.
You're listening to Now That's What I Call Science on Edge Radio. We are talking about medicinal marijuana, and my name is Neve, and I'm joined by Elena. Hello there. So we've so far gone through, um, you know, that medicinal marijuana is a thing. It's got benefits, potentially. There's been a lot of work in this space um, that's kind of building up some uh, of the evidence. I've just looked to see that there's a few randomized control trials happening, too, which is really interesting. Um, and we've talked about that there's two bioactive compounds within the plant of marijuana, essentially, that um, one is cannabidiol and one is... Cannabidiol. Cannabidiol, thank you. And the other one is THC, and THC is a um, psychoactive one that gets you high, and cannabidiol is not. It's really interesting that there's two compounds that have such different um, effects on the body. So with this section, what are we getting into? So I thought we'd discuss what's actually happening in Tasmania about it. Awesome, keeping it local. Yep, so Tasmania it might shock you, is trying to become a big player in the cannabis, in the medical marijuana industry. That's awesome because I think, you know, Tassie has got a great agricultural history. Uh, Once the biggest producer of apples in the world, why not be the biggest producer of medical marijuana? Yeah, why not? (laughs) So (laughs) as well as that, they are in Tassie also growing hemp right now. So we discussed earlier that hemp is a form of cannabis that doesn't have any of the psychoactive chemicals and you won't be able to get any of those psychoactive chemicals out of it unless you brought in an illegal plant to breed with it. So you can't jump a fence, steal some hemp and get high. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) But they are growing hemp in Tasmania now for its properties as a fibre plant. That's pretty cool. So there's a a history already here of growing this plant and um, working with it uh, within this little island, which is awesome. And I'm, you know, the big part of this show is flying the flag for research happening here in Tassie. So you spoke to Sandra Garland from... Tasmanian Institute of Agriculture, is this her area of specialty? Yeah, so she's got quite a few students working on this currently and she's working with Tasmanian growers um, to try and grow a plant that will thrive in Tasmania and that has different levels of different cannabinoids in it for their study. So why don't we listen to a bit about Sandra's research now and she'll tell us about how they're growing it here. Because we're an agricultural science department, we're looking more at the... um the different ways of producing the chemicals in the plants. And so in the first instance, um, the, the way that marijuana has been in the past, it's been a very a mixture that's been selected for high levels of THC, which is what everybody wants if they want to have that high feeling. Um, but the medicinal properties are, as I said before, a range of different cannabinoids. If you're going to give that to the people, you have to know the quantities of each chemical in there. How can you possibly dispense a medicine that can be so varied? You need to work out. You have to be able to give it reproducibly the same product to the consumer. And so the first thing that they're doing is trying to breed plants that have very high levels of each chemical. And then they can combine them to produce the, the, the profile of chemicals that best suits the patient. So that way the, the doctor can confidently prescribe that amount rather than hope for the best from the plants. So in these early stages, we're just trying to breed plants that have very high levels of this one, very high levels of that cannabinoid, and then the companies can combine them to the ratios that fits the patient. So we have PhD students, and they will be looking at the plant and growing it within glass houses under high security. They will measure how quickly it grows, How much light does it need to to produce the highest levels of bioactive chemicals? They'll be taking measurements of leaf and then working out that that's a good plant. They'll take 
across those plants with a plant that has a different quality. Perhaps it's vigorous growing or it's going to be resistant to diseases. So they will cross those plants and end up with a hybrid plant that has all the qualities that they want. So they're up there measuring and checking out the water content and, and extracting the leaves to find out what the content is. And then, um, so that'll be one, one part of the research. Another part of the research will be the extraction technology. So what is the best temperature and what is the best pressure to extract to get the best chemicals and to get the best yield? Um, so somebody else will be doing that. They'll be running the machines to, and trying different temperatures. Um, other students will look at uh, the relationships between the level of, of chemicals within it and not just the cannabinoids, the monoterpene levels. So they'll be harvesting the leaves, extracting them in an organic solvent and taking them down to our laboratories where we can analyse. Uh, so they'll be doing different analytical techniques to determine the profile. So there's a whole range of different research topics. So we heard from Sandra Garland there about um, some of the local research that's happening to essentially that's world leading to help us really pinpoint and nail down how these plants grow, interact, what type of compounds or cannabinoids that they produce that are useful. And it instantly made me think of the usual pharmace pharmaceutical pathway to have a drug that is prescribed because you've got to be... 100% clear on how many active ingredients and non-active ingredients are within a pill if you're going to swallow it or if you're a doctor and you're going to prescribe it, which Sandra talked about. So, Alana, why can't we just grow this in the lab? So they have done that. They have created artificial cannabinoids. Um, they are actually sold in America. Now, the problem with that is these artificial cannabinoids, they'll just create one Cannabinoid, And as I said earlier, there's probably about 113 different types in cannabis, as well as other chemicals in the plant as well, things like terpenes and stuff. Um, and these researchers actually think that a lot of these cannabinoids and terpenes and other chemicals in the plant work together to work on the body. Whereas when you create these artificial cannabinoids, just one of them, there's been a lot of bad side effects on people. Um, some having like really bad nausea and headaches and sicknesses that come from taking these. That's really interesting. Kind of instantly reminded me of vitamins. You know, when you take, um, when you eat lots of fruit and vegetables or, or food that's really high in vitamin content, it, it has a really um, excellent effect. But when we try and distill that into pills or a tablet format or, you know, even those ones that are soluble in water, it doesn't have the same effects. And we see that time and time again in randomized control trials. So it's really interesting to hear that humans yet again are trying to replicate what happens in nature and not being able to do it with great success. But to dial back into Sandra's work here. So they're really pioneering trying to understand the best and most effective way to grow this and then also the most effective parts to use. Yes. So there was a great story that Sandra told me as well. Um, and that is that... In Tasmania, obviously it's quite cold. We have short days. It's a bit difficult to grow plants down here. And it wouldn't matter if you were an illegal grower who spent decades trying to grow plants down here. You have perfected growing plants in Tasmania. The problem with the researchers is they can't do anything illegal. They are heavily vetted. They have to go through a lot of security protocols to make sure there's no chance of abusing this. And all the seed for all their plants has had to come from overseas where it's legal, I believe, from America because they legalised it earlier than us. So all of these seeds are imported from overseas and none of them grow well in Tasmania. Huh. So part of what they're trying to do to begin with is just make plants that will grow well in our climate. 
That's really interesting because I wonder, um, obviously, uh, Amsterdam and Holland or um, the Netherlands, they've had legal marijuana for years and their climate in some parts of the Netherlands may be more similar to um, to Tasmania. So I wonder if, you know, that's part of their research. But it must be so difficult to uh, to gather that information and my brain instantly went to that. I wonder could they just do some, like, anonymized qualitative interviews. So that's where, rather than a quantitative thing where we ca- capture um, numbers, we go and we just talk to people and then analyze what comes out of their conversations with their illicit growers but I, see I, if they could get some help I don't know if they could get that past the uh, research ethics no, committee <laughs> I think that would be a bit of a challenge it does seem to be a very highly vetted uh, field everyone here is under a lot of security yeah wow can you imagine the process of becoming a PhD student there that would be so difficult but it sounds like it's a really interesting area too and it would be great to see um, Tasmania flying the flag in that space for Australia really um, and being that progressive state that is bringing medical marijuana to the masses apples and marijuana (laughs) it could be another strong sell point so we're going to go to another song now folks called Love is Magic by John Grant I'm 
You're listening to Now That's What I Call Science on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We're here today discussing medical marijuana. We sure are. It's been a really interesting episode so far. Um, so we've talked about some of the interesting work happening here in Tasmania to become, uh, you know, a, a flagship grower of medical marijuana, which is awesome to hear that this small island could again be leading the way in terms of an agricultural um, advancement. And now we're going to talk about some of the endogenous cannabinoids. So essentially something that's within our body that is similar to the bioactive agents in cannabis. Yes. Cool. Uh, so not, almost not even similar to, but pretty much the same things. That's awesome. So we have in our body, in do, that's what endogenous means, inside your body, cannabinoids. And these are not just, they're not from food you eat, they're not from smoking marijuana. These are produced in your body and have a purpose in your body and are completely natural and healthy that they're there. So you have these receptors all throughout your body for cannabinoids, which is part of the reason why marijuana works so well, because you're just putting a chemical in your body that your body recognises and has receptors for all throughout your brain. That makes a lot of sense. So we have a couple of main types. Again, we don't call these ones THC and cannabidiol, but they are similar to THC and cannabidiol. So the two main ones in your body are anandamide and 2AG, which has a very long chemical name, so we just shorten it to that. Nice. I love the way people name these things. Yes. <laughs> it's like, who did they think could say that? <laughs> That's awesome. So essentially, that makes so much sense that, you know, quite a long time, generally when you're making a drug for market, it's finding something that can treat a condition, but then also that your body already has receptors within your cells and stuff to uptake those chemicals yeah. and let it into the cell to actually do its job. So, you know, med- medical marijuana is kind of a no-brainer because we clearly already have um, compound or receptors within our body that are happy to to welcome in this compound. Yeah, we can take all these compounds from marijuana and we can do something with them in our body. And the important parts about the endocannabinoid system in our body is what they regulate, what they're involved in. So they are involved in so many things in our body. They Part of the time it's for your dopamine serotonin system, so your happy system in your brain, which is what THC works on. Makes sense. We'll get the giggles. But there's also appetite is one thing it modulates. So uh, the, the munchies. munchies. <laughs> <laughs> so getting the munchies is because you are upregulating all the cannabinoids in your body. You are getting more of them in your body, setting off your appetite, making you hungry. Huh. Um, there's also in, what else have I got? Pain sensation. 
Which is how a kind of cannabidiol would work. Am I still yep, cannabidiol. Cannabidiol. We'll get there. <laughs> um, mood. You might have a happy feeling with uh, illegal cannabis. We've also got memory that it can affect. In a good way or a bad way? Uh, both. Depends oh, wow. on whether you have more of it or less of it or what types, I believe. So more of it or less of it in terms of like your own internal endogenous Yes, the ones amounts. in your body that are naturally there. So rather than you've taken a lot of, you know, THC or whatever and now yes. you... Yeah, okay, so that's interesting. Uh, hilariously, they've also got fertility, pregnancy and the development of babies. It can improve it or damage it? It affects it, it somehow. Affects. <laughs> I'm not sure, sorry. Yeah. I've just got my list of all the things that it is related affects. to. Yeah, yeah wow. That's pretty. That's a long, long list. And there's so many more things on this list. It's all over your body. Yeah. And these cannabinoids in your body just do so many jobs. And that's part of the problem with medicinal cannabis mm. is that we don't really know what it's going to affect in your body. So you have to be incredibly specific what we're putting in, incredibly specific what we're changing about the endocannabinoids in the body, because you don't want to affect one of these other systems that's also regulated by your endocannabinoids. That's interesting. So that's probably something to consider for the types of products that we're developing and prescribing. So I remember seeing one a while ago that was like a face spam, and it was for um, I can't remember what it was, but it was a condition that really affected pain in the face. So like literally you could just rub it straight on to the site because and then it was like site specific activation it didn't affect the rest of the body so yeah that kind of makes a lot of sense because we've got these receptors throughout our entire body and it's related to so many different functions so you wouldn't want to eat that cream because that would then mess up the other parts of your body yeah that's really interesting so you've got a clip from luke here we should have played that first but we'll play it now and luke can describe to us a bit about endogenous cannabinoids which is part of his work Cannabis, uh, when you break it down, is uh, composed of several different um, key compounds, the most well-known being um, THC. Uh, uh, in the human body and in other animal bodies as well as um, plant bodies, there's a range of other different uh, cannabinoid molecules. And, um, uh, yeah, so in the human body, there's two primary ones that we look at that have similar f- effects to THC but are not as uh, not as potent. So the um, cannabinoid system is actually one of the most profuse systems in the body, and um, has that that means it has uh, some of the highest levels of um, receptors throughout the body compared to any other system. So it's found in the um, uh, every area of the brain, um, also pretty much every area of the body. And the cannabinoid system or cannabinoid system is involved in uh, mediating lots of other different systems. So we heard from Luke Ney there, who's a PhD student um, in the Department of Psychology at UTAS, about essentially what we've been summing up, that um, there's a lot of active compounds um, or cannabinoids are endogenous, so within our body active. Um, and they're receptors that can essentially... I'm getting it all muddled up here. <laughs> so we have endocannabinoids that are produced naturally. So they're yes. essentially agents within the body already. But that means that we have these receptors for external intake of cannabinoids. Yes, that's got right. Got there in you got the there. end. 
was had an, having a major brain fart. Um, so that sounds fascinating. And I think that, um, I'm really in, like intrigued to hear that, uh, the rationale for the munchies is very closely in, uh, linked to the physiology anyway behind how cannabinoids work. That makes perfect sense, really. I know. It, that was one of my favorite things to learn, actually. And I was like, oh, that's how the munchies work. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but we have a lot of other things that these endocannabinoids in our body can do. Um, so for a lot of them, this is an interesting one I learned as well. It's been suggested that anandamide, the main one I described, um, is part of the reason that you have exercise-induced euphoria. So have you ever gone to the gym? It sucks while you're there, but then you get out and you're like, hell yes, I feel so awesome after that. So part of that could be because of endocannabinoids in your body. That are released... Um in response to yes, exercise. Yes, in response to exercise. That's pretty cool. I wouldn't, yeah, wow. Because I've definitely, like, I've heard of the um, high that you get after the gym and I studied exercise physiology as my undergrad and a lot of it's linked to, you know, those dopamine um, upregulation and serotonin upregulation, which obviously we talked about earlier is also related to endogenous cannabinoids. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That makes a lot of sense. So we're going to go to a song now by... Um, Eve Gowan, who's a local Tassie artist that I've been seeing a lot on my Facebook feed. Um, so great to be playing her stuff. And the song is Sweet and Savory Dreams.
You're listening to Now That's What I Call Science on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We are talking about medicinal marijuana. And I have learned so much on this show, but what are we jumping into next? So we've discussed a bit about the growing of marijuana in Tasmania. We've discussed a bit about the chemicals in it, why they might be medicinal, why they might affect you psychologically. We've discussed chemicals inside your body, endogenous cannabinoids, and naturally occurring ones. So now I thought we'd discuss the actual medical part of it. So what's the difference between giving uh, cannibal, cannab- cannabinoids, oh, I'll get there, <laughs> cannabinoids from the plants versus uh, drugs that affect the endocannabinoids in your body? Um, so I thought we'd hear a bit from Luke Ney, who works on the endocannabinoids in your body. It's a, one of those kind of drugs that they call in the pharmaceutical industry a dirty drug. There's two different terms, a magic bullet or a dirty drug. A magic bullet is one that will um, target one thing in the body and only one thing. So SSRIs, selective serotonin um, reuptake inhibitors. So they're an antidepressant which will increase serotonin and that's all it will do. could be considered a magic bullet because they go straight for the um, serotonin inhibitor. Whereas with um, cannabidiol, um, because it's not actually a... Um, contrived or artificially synthesized product is I'm just taken straight from the plant or synthesized in its original form, um, which is similar to that found in the plant, Um, it will produce a myriad of effects. Like it will will activate this system, it will reduce this system, it will do lots of things we don't have any idea, but we know from um, experience that it doesn't have adverse health effects and we know that it has some effects on serotonin and it will help... relieve anxiety to some extent. So we heard from Luke Ney there, who's a PhD student in the Department of Psychology about cannabinoids as a dirty drug. And I've never heard those two terms before, but I've heard, well, I have heard like it's a silver bullet type drug. Yep. But that makes perfect sense from what you were telling me earlier that um, we've got receptors all over our body that can use um, endogenous cannabinoids. So it kind of makes sense that it would be a dirty drug because it's really hard to make it specific or site specific. So if you have uh, chronic arthritis and it's to help you with your joint pain, 
it's really hard to make it go straight to that joint and relieve that pain, essentially. Yeah, and pretty much there is no way to make it go straight to that joint and not affect all the other parts of your body that pick up on cannabinoids as well. So that's part of the reason why Sandra and her team try and grow these plants so specifically. So the plants will grow with different levels of different cannabinoids, so hopefully they'll grow the right types to affect what they really need to affect in your body without affecting all the other parts as well because there's so much that these drugs can affect. So medicinal marijuana has been shown, um, still being studied, I will say, but it has been shown to help in chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, uh, neuropathic pain, multiple sclerosis, that was Mm -hmm. a new one, Um, And then there's some evidence showing it can support AIDS wasting syndrome where people with AIDS have low appetite, don't eat and waste away. So uh, epilepsy as well. Yeah, I've definitely heard of it being used for epilepsy quite a lot actually in the UK. So that's interesting. Like I've just seen that then when they leave the UK, it's really hard for them to use their prescription overseas. Yeah. So that's one thing that's probably with something like this, it's such a new use for something that is so highly illicit in the, in the other form of it. Um, it makes it really difficult for regulations and for medication use when you want to travel, etc., which is um, obviously a challenge within itself. But this sounds like a really interesting and complex um, problem that's really bringing different industries as well across the research spectrum together because you know you need the growers and the agricultural um, scientists to think about how we can start to refine this product more and more as well as the pharmacy scientists and researchers as well as psychological researchers like like Luke which is just fascinating so do you have a favorite thing that you've learned through your research for this this show Ooh, my favorite was definitely between the dirty drug because I just love that term and uh, about how we're growing medical marijuana in Tasmania yeah, I think that's probably my favourite too. Like instantly when we thought about doing this topic, I, um, somebody at Tasmanian Institute for Agriculture said, you know, you need to get in touch with Sandra um, and talk about that. And I just think it's wonderful that, again, this small island is carving out a massive place um, on a global scale, really leading the way with um, A1 grade top quality research so we're going to leave it there for our content this week but actually we've got some interesting things to tell you about upcoming science events uh here in hobart get ready folks you can actually see your hosts live in the flesh this week. Woohoo! Come see us. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, um, Pint of Science is happening. So Pint of Science is an international festival that started two years ago. Oh, it started many years before uh, in Tasmania. It oh, started really? a couple of years ago because it's uh, it's an international festival, but then countries will run it. So Australia has been running it for quite a few years mm-hmm. and Tasmania joined in on that a few years ago. And so for a couple of nights... Um, in May, there are scientists in pubs talking to you about awesome research. And in Tasmania, it is this coming, well, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so the 20th, 21st and 22nd of May. In Shambles Brewery, which is midway up Elizabeth Street, if you're going up from town. And it's an awesome venue if you haven't been there before. And they're very supportive of science-related events, which is awesome. And, yeah, Alana and I are delivering a bench-to-bedside-themed event, which you may be going, huh? And essentially, Alana's um, forte and PhD work focuses on work within the lab that us scientists would call basic science. And I focus on um, research in clinical practice, which is bedside 
stuff in the messy world of people. <laughs> and we're talking about how difficult it is to make research kind of come out of those spaces and come to life and, and really make it into, into our everyday lives and change practice because we both work um, in roughly similar fields. So it would be great to see some of our listeners there. We'd love if you could come along. How much are tickets? Uh, $6 and you can buy them online at pintofscience.com.au cool um yeah so that would be great if we can see you but also some exciting news is our show is looking for a volunteer to come along and join us to help with our production side of things so if you have an interest you're an avid fan um or you're interested in helping out with uh, some behind the scenes work please do get in touch with us um probably the best way is through our social media accounts accounts which is now science taz um, on Facebook and also on Twitter or you can email nowsciencetaz at gmail.com but we're looking for somebody to help us out on a weekly basis so we can keep bringing you high quality science related material and also feel free to get in touch with us on our social media channels if you've got any ideas for what we should cover as a show we're here to not only shine a light on some of the awesome research happening here in Tasmania but we're also um, really focused on unpacking some of the topics that are most relevant to you and that you care about most. So, you know, whatever it takes your fancy, throw it at us and we'll do our best to put a science spin on it. Please give us ideas. <laughs> we really need it. <laughs> we are coming to the end of our first season and we're like, oh, yes. it's time to plan season two. <laughs> uh, so that's all from us tonight, folks. Thanks so much for listening in. As always, get in touch if you've got any comments or feedback. Uh, thanks so much, Alana, for all your work for this week. Thank you, Neve, for uh, all yours. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to our special guests, uh, Sandra Garland and Luke Ney. So we're leaving you with Love Isn't Easy by Rainbow Chan.
술병 깨버려 허드렁가 서로가 시야에 사라져야 할 시야에 쓰러져야 하진 않을 속으로 들어가 사사의 디자인이 마음을 알지 다 털어버려도 확실하고 완벽하지만 탈걸 알아서 두꺼는 거야 이미 불같은 넌 얼음 번걸로들을 아는 속은 타고 헛걸음 끝 프레임이 스톰이 신을 알아 나를 하루 24시간 동안 태운 시간 24시간 가만히 앉아봐 잡았네 가만히 바라봐 잡았네 가만히 있어봐 잡았네 시간 낭비네 참 좋같애 어차피 어제같이 내일도 똑같을 거야 나 오늘 같애 어차피 숨쉬는 곳곳에 있는 나를 지을 수는 없을 것 같애 가만히 앉아봐 잡았네 가만히 바라봐 잡았네 가만히 있어봐 잡았네 시간 낭비네 참 좋같애 어차피 어제같이 내일도 똑같을 거야 나 오늘 같애 어차피 숨쉬는 곳곳에 있는 나를 지을 수는 없을 것 같애 